0: Uh, stand with me, if you wouldn't mind, for the reading of the Word. It's great to have our guests in the house. We are so grateful that you are here. And uh, if, if you don't have a church home, you're looking for a church home, we would love for you to make LifePoint your, your church home. As we mentioned, as was mentioned, as Jeff mentioned, LifePoint is all about Jesus, people, and mission. We've kind of condensed it down. Synthesized it down. That is what makes us tick. And if you want to get involved, you can go through Discover Life and you can find that out for yourself. Get some details on that. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 24. We're going to conclude our Joshua generation. This is part five. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 24 and we're also going to look at Psalm 103 in our reading today. We'll revisit Psalm 103 towards the end of the message. But I want to read the first part of the 103rd Psalm, verses 1 through 3. And then we'll go to Joshua chapter 24. So Psalm 103, verse 1. I've already quoted this today. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name, and forget not. All his benefits. Everybody say, forget not. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases. He goes on and on and just lists this big list of things that we should not forget regarding our great God. Now, Joshua 24, verse 14. Says Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Bob Dylan said as much in 1979. He said, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, of course, he had 75 verses, Mario, with with that song in typical fashion. But the point is this. You're going to have to serve somebody. Joshua knew this, and Joshua said this. These are his last remarks to his generation. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've got choices to make, don't we? And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tie this in, it's really not a hard choice If we remember how good our God is. If you don't forget how good he is, there's not much of a choice. You just got to keep that front and center and remember how good he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that you would anoint me to speak what you've spoken to my heart. And I pray, God, that you would just uh, give us ears to hear so we could hear what the Spirit is saying to us and challenge us today, God, to to make some commitments to never turn around and to remember and to praise your name because of your goodness, Lord. And we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Twenty-four years ago, I was preaching in Centralia, Illinois. We had taking our maiden voyage with our travel trailer and our Smurf Mobile, our Smurf Domino's colored van, uh, Domino's pizza van with white bumpers and white wheels that we bought from a utility company in Brownsville, Texas. We were, we were pulling our travel trailer with that van and we made our maiden voyage and started, uh, started our evangelistic ministry, itinerant preaching, Traveling and preaching we we were preaching in Centralia Illinois just a little south of St. Louis and we uh we were we were preaching and I felt led in one particular service to do something I had never done at that point I hadn't been back in church for a long time and I had not really shared my testimony at least from a pulpit perspective with anybody with any congregation and I felt led to do something totally out of the ordinary for me that night and I preached a message, and I, I preached along the lines of uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in church, and then when I uh, had some bumps in the road, I quit church, and and when I was out in the world and thought I was all that, I I was not happy, I was not satisfied. All the things that you would think would make me happy, and, 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 and they didn't make me happy, and and I, I just, as a kid, I had this prodigal advantage in that I had been around church and I had had these powerful moments in the presence of God. And although I couldn't explain it theologically and I didn't know what I believed anymore, I did remember the moments I had in the presence of the Lord, times of refreshing in the presence of God. And, and I just remember uh, wanting that I remember in those days remembering about those earlier days and wanting that. And that was part of the thing that drove me back to the house of God, back to the Father's house where the Father was standing with open arms welcoming me back home. But I remembered, and I preached that in Centralia, and uh, it, it had an impact on some folks there. And it was, it was interesting. I began to learn the power of, of your testimony but I also, that night, realized it was the memories that brought me back. And what was funny is, in those days, the lady got on the, the organ to do the altar music. It, it, was, it was a very organ-driven church, and we, I played the organ up here. But uh, in those days, like it was a piano and an organ, and maybe some other instruments, but always a piano and an organ, and so when I was giving my altar call, my conclusion, this, this lady, Sister Eskridge, came to the organ and began to play and sing, wail out this song that was from my memories, which was nostalgic for me way back then, and she started singing, Josh, you're smiling, she started singing, roll back the curtain of memories now and then, anybody remember that song? Anybody not remember that song? Man, it was this blast from the past. He starts blowing that song up. And it was this song about help me remember where you brought me from, so I I can go from here. Lord, don't let me for roll back that curtain of my memory now and then so I can see once again where you brought me from. There is something so powerful about not forgetting. And about remembering. It had been 30 years at our time of our reading here since the walls at Jericho had fallen. That's quite some time. That's like 1987 until now. The Moses generation had gone so far, but the Joshua generation was supposed to take it all the way. Conquest, conquer that promised land. They had the potential. They showed promise. And brother, they were committed. We talked about this last week. 30 years earlier in, in 1987, you know, like 30 years prior, they had gone to Gilgal where they bought into the covenant. It was the circumcision, the commitment there. Closely, they followed after the Ark of the Covenant, the presence and the Word of God. Miraculously, they crossed over Jordan They marched around the walls of Jericho with a holy hush. They shouted before the walls came down. And then the walls came down and they rushed over those fallen walls and spoiled the city. And through the 30 years after that, that Joshua generation conquered the promised land. God went before them. The holy angels of the Lord went before them. And, and God even used hornets. The Bible says he sent hornets to go before them and drive out the inhabitants of Canaan. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? I hate hornets. You know, you've kind of got categories of bees. You've got little dirt daubers and, and little, little those little things that don't really do much. And then you've got red wasp. They're of the devil. You've got little honeybees. They're okay. They sting a little bit. You've got bumblebees. Ouch. They sting a lot. And, but you got some of those bumblebees that don't sting, and you've got to figure that out, you know? And to me, they're all the same. It's like a snake. And then, you, then you've got hornets, which are next level. I remember deer hunting back in the day and <clears throat> walking through the woods, and I came across a tree. And the whole bottom of the tree is a huge oak tree in north Louisiana. The whole bottom of the oak tree had been hollowed out, and there were hornets going in and out of that tree. And I was so tempted to take my 20-gauge shotgun with buckshot in it and just blow that tree apart. If I would have had some kind of armor, I might would have done it. But I did not want the wrath of those hornets coming after me. Can you imagine the Canaanites? Here come the children of Israel. But before the children of Israel ever get there, here comes a swarm of hornets. And what do you do? How do you fight all the hornets? Here's what you do. You'll run for your life. And so they're in their cities minding their own business. And then here come all these hornets. Zzz, and they, they just run for it. And, and they're directed at the hand of God as here comes the Joshua generation. The hornets are going before them. It's amazing, right? They saw all of that. But at the place of their first victory at Jericho itself, we begin to see cracks in the foundation of the Joshua generation. So 30 years prior to this speech we read about, and it starts with one man, his name is Achan. Joshua said, don't take any of the stuff from Jericho for yourself. It's not yours. Every bit of it belongs to the Lord. You see, Jericho was the first city of the conquest. It was was the first, and the first always belongs to the Lord. It's, It's like the tithe. And, and all the spoils of Jericho belonged to the Lord. Had any of the members of the Joshua generation taken what belonged to the Lord for their own personal use, then that individual, as well as their household, as well as the nation itself, would come out from under the protection of the blessing of the Lord, the umbrella of the blessing of the Lord, and they would be exposed to the curse. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. But in the curse, there is not blessing and there is not richness and there is not joy. There is poverty, there is loss, and there is sorrow. And Achan saw this good-looking Babylonian garment. It was elaborate. It was embroidered with silk and strands of gold. It was a garment fit for a king. It was royal, prestigious. It was Versace. It was Eve Saint Laurent. Now, notice I didn't say Eve Saint It's Saint Amont, but we say Saint right? It, it was this. This was Eve Saint Laurent Versace. It, it was. It was something special. It was worth estimates go from ten to twenty thousand dollars. This was quite a, a piece of clothing, and Aiken saw that it was. It was awesome. And then there was this beautiful eight-pound chunk of silver. The silver alone was worth over $3,000 in today's market, but it was perhaps uh, a, a, an artist had gotten a hold of it, a piece from Tiffany's. Maybe it was from Lane's up here in Gonzales, you know, the, the jewelry ninja, uh, most interesting jeweler in the world guy, right? Uh, it, it had been, uh, you know, worked on, craftsmanship, and, and it was worth perhaps 30 to Maybe $300,000. We're not sure. And then there was this wedge of gold. It weighed in at close to two pounds. But uh, the gold was worth at least $30,000. But it's it's literally referred to as a tongue of gold. A tongue of gold. It was crafted. It was a work of art. It may have been worth close to half a million or maybe a million dollars itself. To Achan, this was too much bling bling that was worth too much cha-ching To pass up. And he refused to release it to the Lord. He decided to take it for himself. Now this is fascinating to me. Because this is a man from the Joshua generation. This is a man 30 years prior to this speech we read about. This is a man who had just gone through the circumcision at Gilgal. This is a man who had just miraculously crossed over the swollen Jordan River. This is a man who had just marched around the walls of Jericho without saying a word. This is a man who had just shouted before the walls miraculously fell down. And this same man, right on the heels of that, sells God out for gold. Sells His salvation out for silver. Same spirit that got a hold of Joseph's brothers. Same spirit that got a hold of Judas selling the Savior for silver. Achan looked at this clothing from Babylon as being more significant and important to him than his walk with God. He was quickly, notice this, forgetting the God of his salvation. It was shocking because at the time, Everybody else in the Joshua generation was remembering how good God had been, and remembered the faithfulness of God, and they were walking. I mean, they were all in; they were sold out, giving God everything they had. But Achan was not on that train. I remember as a kid, we just got done with youth camps, which were amazing. And and when I was a kid, I remember going to youth camps, and they were amazing back then. And I remember at a youth camp where God was speaking to me and I was repenting and snotting and crying and just pouring my heart out to God and getting challenged to walk a deeper walk with Him and getting a call into ministry. I remember this shocking realization that there were some of my peers, some of my fellow youth campers who were sneaking off at this same youth camp and and, and smoking stuff they shouldn't be smoking at all and drinking schnapps and messing around and, and doing things they shouldn't be doing. And I remember the, just the devastation of realizing some of my friends, they're not getting this. They're not plugging in. They're not remembering the goodness of God and, and, and the salvation of our Lord. And I was blown away. I was all in. Now, granted, I was young. I was naive. I was probably a little self-righteous. But I was, I was innocent in that. The point is, here's the point. You're going to have to serve somebody. And it helps to remember how good God is. It helps to remember why you serve Him. All that's in the world, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the, the lust of the flesh... Those are the things behind idols. I want to talk about idols for a moment. That was Achan's problem. He had idols. The stuff of Jericho, the stuff of Babylon. Those things were idols to Achan. Yeah, he he had he, had, he was serving God, but he had some idols. Augustine said idolatry is worshipping anything that ought to be used or using anything that ought to be worshipped. Achan was using God but worshipping the spoils of Jericho. In Colossians 3.5, Paul says that greed is idolatry. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. But Achan was trying. And the cost of Achan's idolatry was this. 36 of his brothers were slain at Ai. His wife and kids were killed. He lost his own life. Achan was stoned to death and burned in the valley of Achor. I'm going to tell you something. Your walk with God affects not only you, but those around you. When you've got idols in your life, don't think, I can do this on my own. You're going to affect somebody else around you. And I would implore you: remember how good God's been to you. Return back to the Lord. That stuff is going to fade away, brothers and sisters. All this stuff of this world is going to fade away, but the the I, the word of the of the living God will never pass away. We're we're part of a kingdom that's forever. This stuff's all going to burn up. What are you living for? You got to serve somebody. Galatians five nine says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So what kind of effect did Achan have on the rest of his generation? 30 years is a long time. But it started with Achan. We've looked at this. It started with Achan, this this outlaw. Maybe he became a hero as outlaws tend to become, an underground icon to some symbolic rebel, the cool cat he shook his fist in the air, resisted the system. How long would it take for the rottenness in Achan to affect the rest of his generation? Lately, I have been amazed looking at time in a little bit of a different perspective. I've been looking at time in in the idea along these lines, looking at it in terms of months, not years, but months. We have seasons, and in some seasons we're under intense pressure, and in these seasons we can change radically, quickly. Changes can be so radical that if you were to just look at the amount of change, you would think it takes years to go from point A to point B. But if you look honestly at the amount of time the changes took place, look at those Changes with fresh eyes. Often you see that the changes took place in just a matter of weeks and months. We tend to think in terms of decades. You know, the 50s, that innocent era, you know, happy days. The 60s, those turbulent sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The 70s, a continuation of that. But really so much happened in months during those decades. The changes took place in intense weeks and months. You have the JFK assassination, November 22nd, 1963. You've got a lot that takes place after that. You have MLK's assassination, April 4, 1968. You have the summer of 69. You have the summer of love and on and on. It, 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 it's um, amazing when you see the events that transpired and the changes that took place in just the weeks and month, months following. It's like tracking a plague. Uh, I I remember reading Richard Preston's gripping bestseller, The Hot Zone. He tells the story of the origins of the Ebola virus. The Marburg strain was linked to an obscure cave where elephants, one of the few places on the earth where elephants go into caves and and mine for salt and and find minerals with salt. And it's a cave known as Kittum Cave. Uh, I've got a couple of pics here. It's the entrance of the cave. Uh... Here, just, just unassuming, a cave, you can go inside, you can see it open up, it's, it's much larger. The cave wasn't the problems, it was what was in the cave. It was the guano that came from these cats right here. Those are not cats, actually, they're bats. And uh, the, the bats were, were the problem because there was a virus that, that was relatively unknown. It began to ravage through the interior of Uganda and 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 moved through airplanes and modern travel into the city where eventually it threatened the entire african subcontinent it was radical uh radical it was the the drama is is intense, but it all took place in a matter of months. There was a more recent outbreak over there. It all took place in a matter of months on a lighter note on a lighter note in fashion. There was a day when this was the thing, right? That apparently was the the fashion of the day that inspired my mother to buy me the peach Pierre Cardin suit that I played tetherball in at youth camp because we all wore suits and and I sweated and you know it was it was a mess. But there was a day when style was 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 like that. There's another. There was another day right there, oh yeah, yeah, it changed, right, so it, styles, they, they, they change, and now I, I don't even relate, I don't, I don't quite understand this next, yeah, this stuff, styles change, and we look at these and we think, wow, man, look at the eras, but you know what, it's really a matter of months, and it all changes, the older I get, the, the more I realize the suit I haven't worn in a couple of years that I'm going to pull out is totally out of style now. I, did, I didn't know that as a kid, but but things changed so quick. When we were at youth camp, I was sitting on the front row next to Sister Harper. I don't know if any of you, you know her, but Randy Harper's wife, Sister Harper, uh, she's sitting there, and she's hilarious. She's a funny, funny lady, and, and there was a youth committee member that works on staff at, at the youth camp, and I, I will he will remain anonymous. I will not mention him, but he comes out like a boss out of the green room, and he's in a suit and tie. but it, and it wasn't it was not Brendan. It was not Brendan because he's on the youth committee too. But he comes out of the green room like a boss, and he's in a, a coat, a, a suit coat that is way too small for him. It, you know those monkeys that go like this? It looks like he's wearing like a coat that would go on that guy. Little tiny coat, little tiny tie. He's, he's got little, little tiny pencil pants on that, that are way too short for him. And he's got these big old long pointy elf shoes on. Now listen, if you dress that way, that's so cool, right? Praise the Lord for it. I'm not trying to cut you down. But I'm just telling you a story. I'm sitting next to Sister Harper who cannot whisper. And she leans over to her husband, Brother Harper. And she says, his clothes are too little. And I looked over at her. She said, oh, my Lord, did you hear that? I said, I heard it. She said, please don't tell anybody. Just, but I think his clothes are too little. Looks like he's bought his clothes too little. And the point is, they look too little. I said, you're right. I get it. They look too small. It, but he's like super. He looked like he was walking out on a runway in Paris. He came busting out of that green room like a boss, man rotten his stuff and it's like your coat's too little son your pants are too short your shoes look goofy you look goofy not to him though he was totally hip those changes take place in just a matter of months things just change in a matter of months it goes from baggy to tight and tight to baggy in just a matter of months months make huge differences and even hear me in matters of faith and belief in our own lives. You can look at yourself. 48 months ago, I believed that. Now I believe this. Maybe it's a good change. Maybe it's a bad change. 32 months ago, I treasured that. Now I treasure this. And that is junk to me now. Maybe it was a good change. Maybe it was a bad change. Fourteen months ago, I swore I'd never do that. Now I do that all the time. Eight months ago, I loved going to church. Now I don't want anything to do with church. Six months ago, I loved worshiping God. Now I don't want Him to give Him the time of day. Radical change takes place in a matter of months. Trends tend to go in hours and days, but they're revealed in months, and they become shocking in just a matter of years. After the Achan debacle, how long was it until someone else in the Joshua generation started going the wrong direction? Was it three months? Was it ten months? Was it 28 months? Was it 42 months? Was it 118 months? We don't know, but we do know this. By the time we get 360 months into the conquest of Canaan, that's 30 years after Achan, Many, everybody say many, of the Joshua generation were bowing the knee in worship to Babylonian gods, to the Babylonian moon god Sin, and other gods and the pantheons of Egypt and Mesopotamia and other places. Like, like social upheaval, like Ebola, like bad fashion, they were doing what they swore they would never do. And these were not new gods. I mean, Solomon had it right when he said there's nothing new under the sun. I remember when I lived in Nashville, thought I was being so radical, and I became a vegan Uh, almost 30 years ago. I was going to become Mr. Vegan and thought I was just out there, man. And today kids are like, I'm radical, I'm vegan. I was radical and I was vegan until I realized those bean sprouts I was eating had the life force in them as well. And I realized I would rather eat beef with the life force than bean sprouts every day with the life force. If I'm going to eat the life force in anything, I'm sorry. I'm going to leave that poor old plant alone, and I'm going to go to Mr. Cow. or, or what? And I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but I'm just saying there ain't nothing new under the sun. And so these gods, they had turned to recently, they were old gods. Joshua mentions it, Terah on the other side of the river, the Egyptians. These people have been worshiping these gods for thousands of years. Nothing new under the sun. But it all started, undoubtedly, in a matter of months. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And now there was a need not for personal repentance or family repentance, but national repentance repentance. In our reading, Joshua's 1,320 months old. 1,320 months old. That's 110 years old. He followed God most all of his life. And he's fading off the scene. And he starts laying down some truth. These are his last words. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. He said it's gotten to the point that some of you think it's evil to serve the God that I serve. If you think that's the case, so be it. But if you realize, if you'll remember His goodness, and He tells stories about it, then choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was saying that the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. One writer in the Bible said, despise not the day of small beginnings. It started with a choice that day. You've got to choose today who you're going to serve. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. And months turn into years. The devil understands if he can get your days, he can get your weeks. And he can get your months. And he can get your years. Jesus said, give us this day, our daily bread. The locust and the cankerworm eat up years, but they do it a day at a time, and a week at a time, and a month at a time. Look at your life over the last several weeks and months and years. Have you been faithful? Don't die a death of a thousand cuts. Choose you this day who you will serve. Are you going to walk in faithful obedience today, next week, and through the month? No descend, Listen to this. No descendants of Joshua are mentioned in the Bible. He is Joshua the son of N-U-N. Joshua the son of Nun. But he's Joshua the father of Nun. N-O-N-E. We have no record of his descendants. As, it's as if God is saying the descendants of Joshua are the faithful throughout the ages. The descendants of Joshua, the Joshua generation, are those who choose throughout the ages to walk faithful before their God. Now here's my point. This is where it's I'm I'm wanting to go here. We're ending with this. My question is why did Achan choose the idols of Jericho and Babylon over the one true and living God? Why did many of the Joshua generation fall away during the Reign, so to speak, the the governance of Joshua. We could say they left their first love. We could say they chose the easier way. We could say it was peer pressure. But those idols in Joshua 24 sin the moon god which was associated with fertility, Ashtar, the Baals, the pantheon of Babylon. They involved child sacrifice. It wasn't really an easy way. Achan ended up paying the price, losing his kids, It wasn't an easy way. I'll tell you the reason why that generation faltered. And this is a word for us. I'm telling you, I felt this in prayer Monday night a week ago. I felt this is a word for us. The reason they faltered was because they forgot how good God was to them. And I want to admonish you today. Don't forget, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. We've got to remember the benefits of the Lord. Fish, check this out. Fish are notorious for having a short memory. I've got a picture of one right here. Here's a big old red right here. Listen, it's been said that fish have a six-second memory. Others have said a three-second memory. And it goes like this. It's anecdotal. The reason why is because you get in a school of fish, you throw out a hook, and, and you reel in a fish. And three seconds later, the other dumb fish forget about it. And they bite the hook, and they get caught, you know. And, 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 the, and three seconds later, the other dumb, you know, at least if you're fishing with Kevin Barry, it's like every three seconds. That's how it rolls. Some of the rest of us, it takes a while. We got smarter fish but there's been research done literally go look it up on goldfish and other fish and it's been <laughs> it's been proven that they 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 have a longer memory than 3 or 6 seconds some argue that it's up to 5 months long fish have a 5 month long memory well and i was reading that i was like well that's really not that impressive you know 5 months so you know spouse gets hooked up and taken away and fried and 5 months later Here comes old dumb fish, bites the hook, gets caught up, he gets caught five months, five seconds, whatever it is. Fish have a bad memory. It's not much unlike human beings when we see the suffering. And maybe we've experienced the suffering of not living for God and serving these idols outside the house of God, grabbing a hold of stuff and putting the dollar bill ahead of our relationship with God, chasing a dollar bill, doing things we shouldn't do, just because we we, we forget, we understand the suffering. But how soon we forget, the writer said that a pig goes back to his pigsty and that a dog returns to his vomit we forget how good God's been and I want to admonish us today we need to remember our memory needs to go beyond just a few seconds or a few weeks or a few months you got to choose every day I remember where you brought me from Lord I'm not forgetting where you brought me from Lord I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to bless you at all times can you give him some praise right now God has brought us a long, long way. In Joshua's generation, we are susceptible to forgetting how far He's brought us and making some stupid decision that derails our family and sends them in the wrong direction. You need to make it up in your mind right now. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will bless the Lord at all times. We will remember His goodness. In His kindness. Can you give Him some praise right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me right now. Hallelujah. Listen to this writing. This is a perfect psalm. Psalm 103. Many commentators believe that David wrote this in his old age because it's seasoned with understanding that you don't have when you're super young. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Boyce says this about that opening volley What a rebuke to much of what passes for praise! In our assemblies, we come to church, but we leave our minds at home. We hear of God's grace, but our hearts have been hardened by a critical spirit. Morgan says of that, and I I just feel compelled to share it with you. We hear of God's grace. Uh, the, The one value of these opening words is that they show us that worship is not involuntarily, involuntary or automatic. It calls for the coordination of all our powers. The sanctuary is not a lounge. Or a place of relaxation. David was saying, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Listen, here he goes. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals, Jane, all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. Thank God for it. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from Him. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust as wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, his kingdom rules rules over all. Bless the Lord, his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works. In all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Day in, day out, week in, week out. In Illinois, Waylon Pendergrast. he was 37 years of age. He committed a spur of the moment robbery while on his way home from a late night drinking session. A very drunk Mr. Prendergast forced his way into the house through an open upstairs window. He filled his suitcase with cash and valuables before setting the living room on fire to cover his tracks. He then escaped out of the back door and made his way home, chuckling as he went. Only as he turned the corner into his own street, however, Did he discover three fire engines outside his own house? And he realized in his drunkenness, he had in fact burgled and burned his own property. And he said, I had no idea. I had so many valuable possessions. I'm going to tell you something, Joshua generation. God's been good to you. You don't need to forget it. Why you got these idols in your life? You forgot. Why you're putting things in front of God? You forgot. You don't deserve nothing. You You deserve to go to hell. You and me both. But he's been good to us. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's why we sing what we sing. That's why we shout like we do. That's why we're we're not reserved in our worship and praise. We're trying to remember. I don't deserve anything, but He's given me everything. So with all that is within me, bless His holy name. Hey, I live hard for the devil. I'm going to live hard for God. I hadn't forgotten. I hadn't forgotten. He's been too good for me, to me. He's been too good to me. When I think of His goodness and all He's done for me, I'm going to shout it out. We've got a lot of valuables. I can tell you He forgave us. I'm going to tell you He healed us. I'm going to tell you He crowns us with loving kindness. I'm going to tell you His mercy is everlasting. I'm going to tell you He's not dealt with us as we deserve, but He's dealt with us according to His mercy. As a father pities his children, he pities us. He understands we're just dust. The bottom line is this. The Joshua generation, they forgot. And man, they ended up crushing them. My prayer is it doesn't crush us. But we remember. Amen. If you'll bow your heads with me right now.